0: Welcome to Technado with Don Pezet, featuring sysadmin expert Don Pezet, DevOps engineer Justin Dennison, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter.
1: Welcome to Technado with Don Pezet. I am your host, Peter Van Rijstam, and we, uh, let's see, we're missing Daniel this week. Yeah. Uh, we've sent him home. He coughed once.
2: Yeah. And, <laughs> and then was, we hit him with bars of soap. That was it. So he's Hand gone. Sanitizer.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, Florida is a tough place to be right now because we have the coronavirus going on, right? But we also have I don't know, yeah. a, at least three millimeters of pollen coating every oh, surface. I thought you were going to say mosquitoes. Well, I and
2: I was like, yeah. so I did look up. I was like, can it be transmitted via mosquitoes? Because that's a big issue. Oh, no, yeah. cannot. cannot.
1: And we have alligators and meth and uh, yeah. all it the
2: normal Florida
3: things. But, that? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you're,
1: you're saying that people will be sneezing and coughing because of the pollen.
3: So how do you know, right? So like the, the fever is the only differentiator and that yeah. is uh, creating quite a challenge.
1: And, and
2: hay fever. Yeah. Is, that, is that an actual fever? Is there a fever involved in that? I think so. <laughs> yeah, Peter. Yep. Yellow so we fever. have a special guest today that I'm we excited do. about. Yeah, we <laughs> certainly
3: do. We have uh,
1: Graham Cluley joining us today uh, from Smashing Security, the Smashing Security podcast. How are you doing, Graham?
4: I'm gorgeous. How are you?
1: <laughs> I've been called the same. Um, and you're joining us from... Uh, Australia. Said, <laughs> no. I'll tell you. you said, uh, I'm,
4: I'm, I'm joining you from merry little England it, uh, from a little town called Oxford. Oh, sure. You've yeah. ever heard. Yes, you may have heard of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've got a little university here. And uh, yes, this is my podcast, Pleasure Palace. And I will um, say it looks sunny
1: out there. Which
4: it is, It's It's a, actually, a, I've just tweeted actually a, a photograph because it's a glorious, gorgeous day. You would not realize there's a zombie apocalypse going on. <laughs> oh, Has it turned to that, that over there? <laughs> it has, basically. I'll be oh. with you in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, it, obviously, it, it's all fairly horrendous what's going on at the moment. But um Down the bottom of my garden, it's it's all right, and uh, I'm a long way away from people, so that's all smashing for
2: me. Are are we going to pretend like he didn't just refer to his living room as the pleasure palace? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there is a velvet couch, but we're just gonna we're gonna move. Okay, I was I was just making sure I was on the same page. Yeah, there's there's certain things you just let
1: let (laughs) slide. Okay, yeah. Uh, Yeah, but Graham is a uh, a security expert, cybersecurity expert, and uh, you know been doing this for a while, and has a. uh, you know, a pretty extensive resume. So why don't we just uh, go ahead and jump right in and, and uh, do our rapid-fire questions and find out a little bit more about Graham.
3: Who do you work for? What's new? Who
2: are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Graham, so we're going to start our rapid-fire questions. We okay. have five minutes total. you got about right. 45 seconds to one minute. After that, we're oh going to buzz goodness. you. And we're going to right, move on okay. to the next question. So Peter's going to start with the first question.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious how you got started. I know um, that you that you worked on Dr. Solomon's antivirus toolkit for Windows. And that, was that kind of your first foray into the cybersecurity world?
4: Yes. Uh, I was a computer student. I used to write computer games. And Alan Solomon, who ran Dr. Solomon's antivirus, later got bought, of course, by McAfee, um, uh, liked my games. And he sent me a packet of cheesy biscuits and said, do you want a job? And I said yes, and I've been working in computer security ever since, uh, originally as a programmer. But uh, after a while, um, began to be someone who talked about the threats and gave talk. It's a bit scary, this five-minute rapid fire, isn't it? Crikey. <laughs> it's a lot of stress. Okay. A lot of stress. Don't you think I've got enough stress right now? <laughs> For goodness sake.
2: Great. You're just wasting time. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: This complaining time is time. You could be answering questions, Justin. With uh, all
2: right. So uh, you know, speaking of McAfee, you've been with McAfee and Sophos. Um, what are you currently working on now?
4: I work for myself, and I've worked for myself for the last seven years. Um, so I run my own blog at grahamcluley.com very imaginatively named and i write for some other people occasionally i do a weekly podcast smashing security tut, 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 and um i normally give talks uh, at events and raise awareness that way but of course that's sort of come to a close <laughs> in recent weeks um so basically all my events have been cancelled for the rest of the year and uh, i'll just be staying at home instead in the pleasure palace. <laughs> In the podcast pleasure palace, yeah. oh,
3: Looking out that window, there are worse places to be. It is a beautiful yeah, day out there. Uh, all right, so I know that uh, for us, a lot of things have changed, right? So people are working from home, schools are closed, coronavirus has changed a lot of what's going on right now. Do you feel like it's changed for the uh, cyber criminals, right? Are, are the things they're doing different, or is it still just a regular old workday for cyber criminals?
4: So I think there's two things going on here. There's obviously opportunity for cyber criminals and we've seen an uptake naturally in social engineering which has a coronavirus theme, phishing attacks um, and there's all kinds of ways. It's, it's actually hard to find any stories which aren't somehow coronavirus related even in the world of security right now but let's not forget that just like we are being disrupted with our work and our activities, organized criminals are going to be disrupted as well because some of them will have a requirement maybe to get together sometimes or, or will be finding that the businesses which they're trying to attack may not, they may have shut down some of their operations themselves. So I think this is going to have an effect on all of the economies, the legitimate economy and the cybercrime economy as well. So I don't know if that's uh, you know, a little bit of silver lining on the clouds or not, but suddenly uh, we all have to be aware that right now, because we're all so fascinated with what's going on and want to protect ourselves, there is a risk to us too. I think President
1: Trump here was talking about doing a bailout for organized crime as well. The, the airlines, movie theaters, <laughs> and organized crime. Because
4: you got to keep that economy going. The, the goddies. Yeah. He's got I, a lot I of friends there. A, I used to have a theory years ago, when, when it wasn't organized criminals so much, when it was basically teenage boys in their back bedrooms, that maybe a way of fighting the virus writers was just to organize girlfriends for them. Mm. If we could ship an articulated lorry uh, full of loose women to these deprived areas <laughs> where where men who could who had no social you know obviously young men who oh, I can't get a girlfriend uh, well writing virus and said that would work now of course that's not the typical cyber criminal these days but uh yeah, I think maybe these these difficult times uh, require some inventive solutions. I we think saw,
3: we, we missed the window of opportunity for that solution.
1: I think we saw a drop in cyber crime when Tinder uh, first started. <laughs> but, uh, so, Graham, you know, you're you're on the front lines and and uh, you know, looking at all the um, the the latest trends in security. So, aside from the, the coronavirus specific stuff that we just talked about, um, what do you see as the the biggest uh, threats facing businesses today?
4: I think the the biggest threat facing businesses are some things which aren't necessarily completely new but really work well without too much effort. And so I would, uh, typical business threats which I talk about to firms are things like business email compromise. So the fake invoices, claiming to come from suppliers, tricking your accounts team into paying sometimes millions and millions, which may be for a legitimate activity which your company has been doing with a legitimate partner, but the bad guys have jumped in and sent the invoice which obviously has their bank details instead. So that's one example awful lot of social engineering going, awful lot of phishing going on. There are ransomware attacks. We've even seen ransomware attacks right now against uh, health organizations as well, which is obviously absolutely gut-wrenching that that kind of thing is going on. So let's hope that those guys have their collars felt soon.
2: Well, we have just enough time for last question. So being on TechNATO, this is the highlight of your career thus far, right?
4: Oh, my goodness. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Where, Where have you guys been, right? I've been waiting for this. And now it's happened, finally. It is has been it's, waiting it's,
2: in the pleasure palace.
4: <laughs> it's pretty exciting. I, I just hope there are people out there who are, um, even though they might be homeschooling, even though they may be working under difficult situations, you know, make sure that you're listening, watching TechNado, and uh, getting your fix. And everything's going to be fine. All right. That check, yeah.
1: is, check is in the mail. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, there are a lot of companies uh, out there right now that are trying to... Uh, To help us uh, make sure that we're fine. I know Justin had some opinions coming up. Oh, man, I I did.
2: Don, you weren't here. We'll we'll get into
1: this. But yeah, we've got a a, a kind of special segment we're going to do. I don't have a fancy intro for this one. Unfortunately, I could sing something. But um, we want to talk about some of the free services that are available right now um, during coronavirus. So, Don, you've actually put together a list.
3: So, you know, my my email inbox is flooded right now with uh, one, phishing attempts, and two, uh, COVID 19 statements. You know, here's what our company is doing. Our, Our COVID 19 responses, right?
1: Yeah, the, the barbershop you went to once five years ago, letting you know <laughs> how they're handling it.
3: And 99% of the time, I didn't need to hear from that company. Yeah. I don't care. There's other companies that are working to capitalize on coronavirus, which is obviously not a... Uh, uh, a positive thing to do to help the community. But there are a couple of companies that are doing some great things that I wanted to make sure everybody was aware of because our listeners are you know, tech people that are likely having to overcome these problems. Uh, so I didn't put these in any order, but I'm going to start off with what's probably my favorite one. Uh, Cisco right now, is opening up any Connect VPN licenses. So if you have a Cisco ASA and you're dealing with more remote workers than normal, normally if you want any Connect licenses, you have to sign up for a year. You know, they, they sell them in, in year blocks. Well, you can call your Cisco rep and they will remove your limits for free. And they'll do it. It runs through July 1st, right? So it's really like a maybe a two, three month window, which should be enough to get you through the home quarantine stuff without having to impact your budget. So really cool that they're doing that and all you have to do is call your rep. That's a good one. Mm. Uh, Another one is the Zoom conferencing, right? Uh, So a lot of the Zoom conference stuff, we use Zoom internally for our large meetings. We use Microsoft Teams for our smaller meetings. Uh, My kids' schools uh, are starting to use Zoom for their remote classrooms. And what they've done is they've always had a free plan, but their free plan was limited to 40 minutes. So your meeting was kind of ended at 40 minutes. Uh, They've removed that cap. So now you can have a a video conference and go way longer than 40 minutes, which is perfect for homeschool as well as companies trying to do meetings. That's, That's
1: what we're using right now, right? Are we? I believe. Thanks, Dr. Graham.
3: See, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on Zoom. Yeah, our production team is so good. I don't even know what technology we're using. (laughs) Still think we're paying for this one, though. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we should be. No, no, I wonder. All right, uh, so (laughs) next one, uh, Google G Suite, right? So uh, Google is opening that up to allow companies to do collaboration as far as, like, documents and so on. You've always had that kind of for free. And their Google Classroom utility, if you work for a school and you need a way to manage uh, remote learning and you don't have anything in place, Google Classroom is like a turnkey push button, and you can get involved with that for free until July 1st. Yeah, because a
1: lot of schools are, are trying to figure that out, because I know, like, my daughter's school, there are... I think this week would be spring break, but then next week is when they're saying, "Okay, we're, we're going to kind of give you some lessons now." And and you know they they don't have a normal way to do that, so yeah, yeah, uh, they're they're scrambling now, and and uh, yeah, Google Classroom is definitely a uh, yeah. M-
4: my son is uh, in the front room right now uh, on Glo- Google on Google on Google Classroom uh, because he's got another week worth of school right now, um, and so it's it's being used quite well. And from what I see, it looks like it works quite well.
1: He's up in the learning palace. Right yeah.
4: right. <laughs> I, I, I don't think, a, think he views it quite like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to learn that uh, this is the silver lining of all this, right, is they're going to learn that uh, while they might have been averse to remote learning or, or even remote working in the past, that now they realize, well, it actually worked out kind of okay. Yeah. And so we, we might
2: see more of that. The, the only thing with the Google Classroom that I'm, that I'm concerned about, because I used to work in a school that was low socioeconomic status, is just that's not going to be equitable among all populations of students. I like yeah, had a yeah. bunch of students that did not have access to mm. computers or internet. Right.
1: And the last thing you want to do right now is go to the library. Yeah, you don't want to go to the library. People. Well, I
2: don't think we can in electric. I think they're both shut yeah, down, probably. aren't they? Uh, And then number two, um, there's usually not enough for them. Mm. And number three, those students are usually disadvantaged in learning anyway. They tend to be... Uh, behind the 8-ball, so to speak. Well,
3: but, I mean, they can just use their, their iPhone
2: 11, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, one sure. would think. Yeah. Yeah. Except uh, <laughs> I suspect that Google Classroom only has the AMP version, which is, yeah. They
3: find some way to yeah. steal that silver lining. Uh, the next two that I put are are important to me, and you guys know. Like, our day job at IH Pro TV, right? We do online trainings. So we're an online company. That's good. It means we can flip a switch and, and no no big deal going online. But when you have a lot of people working remotely, working from home, it becomes a lot harder to maintain security and make sure that they're not using home computers, that they are using their company computer to kind of control access to resources and data and so on. Um, Sophos enterprise did something really neat. We use Sophos enterprise here, the Sophos intercept X. Uh, They said that if you have an enterprise account for your office for free, you can deploy Sophos home on people's home computers. So now you get antivirus, anti-malware and all of that uh, to be able to secure those machines that are remote and PC Matic Pro, which provides centralized management without a directory, so you don't need like an Active Directory or uh, uh, Open LDAP or anything. Uh, that you can remotely manage, kind of kind of like setting up your own MSP to be able to control updates going out to machines, to be able to pull up a remote screen to do tech support and so on, uh, so that you can support all your remote workers who might be on non-company machines, uh, and they're doing that free through I believe through June thirtieth. So if you need centralized management of these new bring-your-own-device type solutions, they are providing it.
1: I was supposed to install that Sophos thing, right?
3: Uh, yes, I would assume. I mean, I did. Made. I, I no, okay. totally installed it.
1: <laughs> uh, so, Justin, do you want to remind us why you were mad about? Uh, so I was mad,
2: but he already mentioned it. Any company that's using this as a way to capitalize or build a customer list, and with the entire oh, yeah. intent of going, "We're going to capitalize. We're going to make stupid money," those are horrible people. If their intention is to be helpful with no ulterior motives, which is very difficult to discern then more power
3: to them. I I started with a list of about 70 different products and whittled it down mm-hmm. to these six. And a lot of it was that. You, you could tell it was like, oh, this is just a customer opportunity. Yeah. Uh, but many of these are either companies you're already engaged with or you don't have to provide them any extra information and you're able to use that product, which is really good. Although Google, it's hard to say with Google. Yeah. Anytime you touch them, your information is yeah. soaked up like a sponge.
1: Mm-hmm. Graham, I've got to ask. So you used to work at Sophos. Um uh, are you, uh, would you recommend us using Sofo? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely not.
2: Yeah.
4: Is there a guy off camera with a gun? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, there's someone trailing me all the time, uh, just in case seven years later, whether I said, no, I think it's a, it's a good product. Um, and, and there are other good products out there as well, but, you know, knowing the chaps there. I, I think a lot of people in the security community genuinely think we've got an opportunity to help people here. We can give them the tools. There's no real cost to us. If we get some goodwill in return, if at the end of all this, they think that was a great experience, maybe we'll buy a license for that, then of course they're going to benefit from that. And you know what? I don't begrudge them that. Why, why should we? I, I think there's an opportunity for us right now, maybe, to try different products, work out what's a good, what's good for our environment. And, and take it from there. I, I'm pleased to see the community working in this fashion. Yeah, Justin. I just <laughs> said the exact same thing, Peter. Yeah.
3: <laughs> No. It sounded way more intelligent when Graham
4: Yeah. It. No, it did Yeah, well, that, that's, that's the accent. <laughs> oh, that I think right? that's the big
3: advantage <laughs> and, which uh, I had. See, if I did it, then
2: I'm being culturally insensitive. That's that, right. That's <laughs> the accent that Don
1: thought was Australian.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. My accent is
2: Southern, so you're like, man, he's dumb. yeah. hell. No, I mean, my this defense, idiot. Yeah.
3: I legit thought he was from Australia for some reason. I, I thought it was in one of my uh, show notes, but either way, I, I can be
4: insensitive. I have never been more offended in my life. <laughs> he's not a uh... prisoner. <laughs> <laughs>
3: He's also never let's been stop more, that
4: is uh, coronavirus. Sorry, Troy Hunt. If he ever sees this, will be terribly upset. Let's not let's not go any further. <laughs>
3: All
4: right, uh, I'm and, sure he watches.
3: I did have one last one, which oh, is a ahead. really useful one, which is the company TechSmith. They make Camtasia and Snagit. Uh, Snagit is free right now, and what I'm finding is with a lot of people working from home, they're having to do things they aren't used to doing, and so I'm having to write up instructions a lot more and send them to people. Like, click on this link, do this, and. And it's way easier to do that through pictures and short videos. Snagit makes it really easy to create that stuff, and you can get it for free. Uh, they are doing that until June 30th as well. And, Peter, I do want to bring
2: some clarity. A couple of weeks ago, I was on a soapbox. I was on a tirade. <laughs> and it may not have come off as well, but I'm totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. Everybody's Everybody's cool. I'm gonna hit Peter on the break. <laughs> you, He's gonna come back with a lump on his. Eye. You got your
1: toilet paper. You're calm down now. You were in a bad place then.
2: Yeah, I, I d- that's the thing. I haven't bought toilet paper since it started. It's like I'm using brawny. <laughs> oh no, no. I'd rather use Graham's rug. <laughs> I've, I've got punch cards. That's what I'm using. Uh, oh, that's good yeah, idea. Yeah. yeah. Do oh, you have school. to fold them into
3: like a scoop or the holes are an issue? Oh, to too them. much.
4: Too much.
2: So uh, <laughs> three seashells. Oh, yes, yeah, so future. Yeah.
3: Well, let's be honest. We have the Gainesville Sun, right? Yeah. Our, <laughs> our local newspaper yeah. is uh, the perfect solution. I mean, there's yeah, there's
4: plenty is. of options. Yeah. You've
1: got the, the the Sun, right? The other, uh, is that yes, the tablet? Yes,
4: uh, or, or the Daily Mail, of course, Daily Mail. Uh, is uh, particularly useful for this. But sure. if, you, if you're a certain level of poshness, you actually use the neck of one of the Queen's Swans. Oh. Um, and you, you get special permission for that, but you may need a license. Yeah. But, oh, that uh, yeah, that's that is special. Level yeah, if you of ask Prince Charles, that's what he's using. I, you know what I
2: heard? Him just talking about how he's better than we are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was just. Well, I, he didn't say he had permission, but. but he was like, "If you're a certain level of poshness, like me, well, because uh, he's in the pleasure palace, and I would just assume that's a a thing that you get with
3: the pleasure palace." Let's the, be honest. I mean, President Trump doesn't have any swans, so maybe huh? he's right. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: uh, let's take a quick break. We've got a lot of news to get to this week. There's, uh, there's regular stuff going on. <laughs> Actual too. news. Yeah, so uh, let's take a uh, quick break. We'll be right back on TechNATO with Don Pizzette.
0: Welcome to IT Pro TV, an e-learning company with thousands of hours of engaging video training for IT teams. With fresh training courses added daily. What makes IT Pro TV stand out? It all starts with our edutainers, who create better than classroom experiences for training your team will look
3: forward to watching. So an edutainer is someone who takes a topic, an educational topic, and makes it more fun, enjoyable. My vision for IT Pro TV was to make the product that I wish I had when I got started. The dashboard's great because you can pick up right where you left off, you can see new courses that are available, and you also have access to a variety of study tools with a membership.
0: You can follow along with virtual labs and test your skills with practice tests. IT leaders can also take advantage of the Pro Portal to help their team grow.
3: The IT Pro TV Pro Portal gives leaders the power to manage their investment in IT training. They can assign seats and courses and check in on progress to ensure their outcomes are being met.
0: And unlike traditional training, you aren't handcuffed to your desk. Sure, you can watch from there, or from your couch with Apple TV and Roku apps, or from anywhere using mobile apps. The training is even available for download. If you're ready for your team to watch and learn, check out the flexible plan choices online and request a live demo for your business today at www.itpro.tv.
1: All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pezet. Uh We are joined today by Graham uh, Huley and, or Graham Cl- Cluley. What did I say? Cluley. Oh,
2: man, you Cluley. messed up. Silicon Valley? That's I'll a, tell you what. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that is what I was like. What do I know that from? Don's insulted him. You've insulted him. You don't even know his name. I'm just going to stop him. I'm just going to hang out here. You're you're his one friend now. I uh, know. No. What's I'm up, Graham? F- I'm sorry, Graham. Still plenty of time. That yeah. can all be fixed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, if you knew me, there's a good chance I'm I'm going to offend you before <laughs> yeah. this podcast is
0: over.
1: Yeah. If you can understand him, he will offend
2: you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs>
0: no. All
1: right. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and look at our first piece of news today. And this one's coming from ooh, the GitHub blog, where I go for all my news. Uh, NPM is joining GitHub. And that's going to be exciting for you, Justin, right?
2: Uh, Yes.
1: Why?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that is good journalism right yeah, there.
2: Yeah, it is. So, NPM <laughs> is this organization. NPM is one of those really confusing things where NPM is a tool that you use in Node.js development, but it's also an organization that hosts all the packages that you download with NPM. And then the whole JavaScript ecosystems kind of flock to NPM. There used to be, uh, what, Bower and all kinds of other tools. So, you used NPM. Well, NPM as a private organization. There was so much of this open source community built on this private organization. There was like a, a weird thing. Uh, now, with that said, GitHub's still a private organization, so just lay off there. Um, are but they, then, are they owned
1: by Microsoft? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, but they're GitHub still they still operate.
2: Yes. Yeah, and uh, I think NPM had some. Uh, it was probably some issues with like infrastructure because you could host an NPM package on GitHub, and there was always almost always a link from NPM to GitHub where the source was. Uh, held. So it just kind of made sense for all of that to condense. And uh, I I had like a, a very cynical view, but then Don, you were like, maybe they're just looking for that money.
3: Well, so maybe, I mean, it could be could be a cash out, which you know certainly if if they've uh, reached that point. but what what I think is the real positive here is we've reported on NPM several times because of just like egregious security concerns where they had unsigned packages originally. And then there were uh, packages hosted in the main NPM repositories that actually had malware in them. and then then there was the deal of uh, some people started putting text-based ads in their packages. So when you install them, you'd see an ad. like they've had a number of controversies just in the last year. I think it's kind of nice that they're going to be under a little bit more of a structured environment with GitHub. So, I think there's a lot of positives that come out of this. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see
2: if they keep the same NPM setup or if it goes to, like, rely on GitHub. Because you could host an NPM package just on GitHub and not publish it to NPM. Uh, you had to point to it in a very particular way. But then you had, like, transparency there. Um, now, as far as the who owns the package, does it have malware, that's uh, an open source, like, quagmire all the time anyway like how do i know whether peter as the maintainer of this one pack is array or whatever it is is he legitimate or is he not oops he's got some some malware in there trying to steal my my crypto wallet so i'll get it <laughs> i'll get it but github's made a big push for like with their actions to make it an all-encompassing ecosystem for developers to go so i like github npm was sometimes eh it, it was eh it's just me.
3: Yeah, I I had a lot of trust issues with npm. I just you know because you're you're blindly pulling packages down and trusting them. Like when I do that from Red Hat, I trust Red Hat, and so I know when I pull packages out of their repo, I can trust it. But then when you go to like the EPEL repo, you you just you don't know. And so I I look at this as a positive. I guess we'll see how it turns out. It could ruin npm and go away, but I think Node.js is, uh, you know, not long term anyway, right? And I I suspect that it is. Yeah? And, until. Until some
2: of the other projects push to where I can do different things in the browser, it's just easy to leverage JavaScript talent to write other software. Maybe there's pluses and minuses to that. That also means that you may do things that are not good when you move out of a node. But you have so many web developers like, oh, I already know JavaScript. I just need to learn the node API. I guess
3: I'm I'm not thinking about uh, Electron. Electron would be Node.js based, right? Or no? Mm -hmm.
2: Yep. So essentially it's just a static web page with some weird apis uh graham what's your thoughts on uh, javascript and, and npm and stuff or are you just like i don't care well the f-
4: <laughs> well the first thing which sprung to my mind was i remember a security incident uh probably about 18 months ago i'm trying i'm trying to remember now but there was one of these npm libraries where an anonymous volunteer had said well look, i'll take this on uh, because no one's helping you with this and it was a piece of software being used by tens of thousands of different applications and what happened was some malicious code got put in there, specifically targeting one particular application, an Android cryptocurrency wallet. And that cryptocurrency wallet then, of course, ended up on the Google Play Store. People installed it, and they lost their crypto fortunes as a consequence because their wallets were, were compromised. An extraordinary attack. So I think you're right. We we need more oversight over these widely popular you know hugely popular libraries which have been used by so many people because the criminals are using those as a vector
2: and that actually leveraged something that npm uh, as far as how it was built into the tooling some of their semantic versioning like if you had it to say 3.4 i want 3.4.1 3.4.2 uh, which you should follow appropriate semantic versioning that one said i'm going to add this code i'm going to publish that as 3.4.2 I'm going to remove it and then do a major version update so that the initial scan of anything like that is Ah. not. But then anybody who said, I don't want a major version update in my package.json, they would only get the latest 3.4, which had the malware in it. So it was it was kind of sophisticated, and then everybody went after the original guy who gave it up. He was like, "I didn't know," <laughs> so he was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. "I was tired as hell. I was just trying Got to that. make sure it continued on. I gave it to this guy who volunteered, and boom, he just happened to be uh, a bad actor." Mm-hmm. So I don't know how GitHub's going to fix that, but
1: well, hopefully, like Don said, you know, having kind of a little bit more corporate structure behind it, uh, you know, might might be helpful. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and uh, move over to The Verge now for our next article. The iPad Pro is ready to supplant the Mac, just as the Mac uh, MacBook Air is great again. No, it's not. <laughs> Are you still mad about the Siri button you keep hitting?
2: Uh, no, that's on my Mac. That could go away, but technically that's an iPad, right? The, the little uh, the little bar. Oh, yeah, up the top? bar. Yeah, yeah, the Touch
3: Bar. Yeah, the Touch Bar is iPad internals. Yep. I was saying
1: just as the the MacBook Air is great
2: again. I was saying. So oh, I looked at the that new specs on the MacBook Air.
3: I I, I think what makes it great again is they ditched that butterfly keyboard. Oh, So, you know, lots of complaints on the keyboards. Go back to a normal one. Uh, But the interesting thing here, there were some other articles that I I didn't grab for the show, but uh, uh, that were talking about how for years Apple said, look, we're not going to merge a laptop and tablet. We're going to keep those as separate products. And people don't want a physical keyboard. People don't want a stylus. They had ads that made fun of the Microsoft Surface. You know, they show it with all this stuff bolted on it. And now. We have iPads that have Apple authorized keyboards and a stylus and you know they're, they're now rolling out touchpad support and that touchpad is what's fi- going to finally make that jump to say, look, you're effectively turning your iPad into a laptop uh, and Apple is admitting like that is a form factor that people want.
2: T- Touchpad, like your screen? Like your iPad screen? I don't understand the use oh, of a no, touch... So, like, I don't, no, I, don't no, have... I like I, I get it. I just don't understand why I would put it onto my tablet. Yeah, because you don't have a
1: mouse, uh, you know, a cursor. Sure. On so if you're,
3: if you're playing uh, Candy Crush, right, then it, it doesn't make any sense. You, you want to touch the screen or words of friends or whatever. But if you're in Microsoft Word and you're typing along, right, and you made a mistake three words ago and you just want to go and click and do an edit precision tapping inside a text is near impossible on a touchscreen. I have to hold my finger, I have to wait for it to switch into that little cursor mode. I have to slide back to the spot. Like editing is a pain in the butt. So the touchpad is designed to fix that. And there's other applications like that that require precision control that you just don't have when you're using your finger. With a stylus maybe, but with a finger no. So that's the main thing that they're they're trying to kind of overcome there is give you that touchpad. But also like if I if I use my remote desktop tools, I, I'll remote into my computer at home or, or a server or something like that. Having a touchpad is proper mouse interactivity to connect to those devices, and so that's uh, that's something that they there's been enough demand for. So I can. But see- why,
4: why would you spend all this money? converting an iPad into basically a MacBook. I don't get it. Okay, so the, the MacBook's keyboard was rubbish, and st- some <laughs> incarnations is still rubbish, but it seems that Apple has finally accepted that and sort of you know called it a super-duper keyboard or whatever, but they've gone back to the, basically the old technology again, haven't they? Uh, I, I don't see why people are creating these Frankenstein add-ons to turn an iPad back into a Mac. Just give us a decent MacBook. You know, I don't... I, I think touch or a MacBook with these... a touchscreen. <laughs> well, do you really need that? I don't know. I, I, I don't. I
1: do not. No. I mean, that's what uh, a that, that's what a lot of people want. So, a lot of like graphic people and so
2: I can understand graphics, but at that time right. I'm probably going to spend some money for a really nice tablet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So something with a lot of pressure sensors. Uh, the the second part, the like remote desktop things, I can kind of get that because now you have a cursor because of that 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 machine has a cursor, but does that mean that iPads are going to get a cursor?
3: Because I just don't see how a touchpad. Oh yeah, yeah. So they, they showed it in the saying? video, like when you when you put your finger on there, a little circle appears on the screen. It's not it's not an arrow. God forbid you have an arrow, but it's a little <laughs> circle that appears uh, that shows where you're at and you click. Now I, I I do want to give the counter argument here because I am one of those people who who takes an iPad. It basically turns it into a laptop. Yeah, you're doing uh, it right now. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, and I'll give you my use case scenario. This is something that could be fixed in a regular Mac, but one of the advantages of me using the iPad is I travel a lot. And when I travel, I don't like to take my full laptop. Now, my full laptop is encrypted. You know, it's got battery, tons of battery, Uh, but it's heavy. It's expensive. I don't want to lose it, right? Uh, If it gets stolen, I have no way to track it. But on the iPad, I've got cellular in it. I can track it, you know, via GPS. I can remote wipe it. It's encrypted by default. It's pretty, you know, pretty reasonably secure that the the various government agencies that are at least slowed down briefly when they try and break into the devices. Uh, so I feel better about traveling with the iPad in, in the event that it were to get stolen, but it sucks to type on a, ta- a touch screen. So I have the keyboard and I can rattle out emails and all the various things that I do when I'm traveling on a device that I view as semi disposable, right? A, a little bit expensive, but-
2: So like that makes sense to me. Like the keyboard makes sense, right? Cuz I don't like the touch screen. Key- Number one, I got these weird fat like yeah, Mason sausage fingers <laughs> uh, So I'm like Z. Ah, oh, that's a four. Um, so I get I mean, that, close. but I just don't understand all the other stuff. I don't know. Maybe and Peter just, and I are both looking at our keyboard. It, How far apart it is, is the Z, Z and four? Knuckle, <laughs> yeah, <when he> knuckle <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs> Look I, on your I, phone.
4: I mean, I think we're all nerds, and we all love to have gadgets and gizmos. But I. I mean, we we started off talking here about the MacBook Air and how they've improved the keyboard. And it feels to me like if you want something a little bit more disposable than maybe your main laptop, which still has encryption, but still has the ability maybe to Bluetooth with your phone if you need 3G or whatever, then doesn't a MacBook Air do the job?
1: Does, that, does it have 3G or 4G? Uh, so if you no. tether it. Yeah. Oh, right, right,
2: right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, but, so let me ask you this, Don. If they took the MacBook Air and put like a... Uh, a cellular antenna in it. Would that fix your use case?
3: Maybe. Uh, and what it comes down to is, like, usually with a laptop, when you shut it down, that's it. It's dead to the world, right? So with a tablet, a lot of them are designed to be on all the time. So it's pinging, phoning home, and and doing all that stuff in the background. So if they were to add that kind of support, now what you're describing is that convergence that people have been pushing Tim Cook for is. Why are you maintaining these two separate devices? Why not just merge the, you know, make the MacBook Air run iPad OS or whatever? And I, I don't know if we'll see that or if we're getting there. You know, Microsoft kind of tried that with Windows 8, didn't get very far. Okay, I've got so. a,
1: I've got a business idea. I know we're out of time for that article, but uh, uh, you made me think about it. You know, if you're if you're arrested, Don, God forbid, um, <laughs> you know, they take your phone, so you can't you can't wipe it then. Okay. Um, but it, it's wipeable. So my service. Will, you
2: just call a specific number and I wipe it for I you? W-
1: yeah, you use your one phone call. You let me know. I have the credentials stored somehow. I will wipe your phone for you.
2: And you are always up on charges for obstruction of justice. I,
3: <laughs> I'm just true. a guy
2: that, that wipes phones.
3: Like, you- I didn't know he was in prison. You accepted a collect call. Well, that was the it was the dead man's switch thing, right? Wasn't that uh, yes. uh, Julian Assange or somebody had that where... Uh, he was supposed to either call or tweet or do something once a day. And if he ever didn't do it, oh. then it would trigger the destruction of some data. <laughs> so are we saying that, that Peter
2: just had a, a Julian Assange yeah. idea?
1: Hey, I would love <laughs> I would love to be holed up in a uh, you know, an embassy in, in London. You've got, you know, there's Uber Eats, yeah, you know. Beautiful view. Beautiful view. You get a cat. It sounds lovely.
4: He grew an amazing beard in that time. Julian Assange is really the king of self, self-isolation, self isn't he? I mean, he should be giving us all tips. He really is. About how yeah, to boy, do it. We've all become Julian Assange. How much toilet paper
2: do you think he has? <laughs>
4: this is the Ecuadorian embassy that I'm in right Yeah, now. essentially.
2: It looks
1: just like it, I, I believe.
2: Yeah. All right. Uh,
1: let's move over to our next article uh, over at macrumors.com. Uh, the EU urges Netflix, YouTube, uh, to consider limiting... Uh, stream quality to ease strain on networks amid surge in remote working so uh graham i know you're no longer in the eu uh <laughs> but uh have that you noticed <laughs> <laughs> have you noticed a, a, a change as someone who works from home all the time have you noticed a change in in the speed of your uh your internet connection with everyone else sitting at home now and and watching the, what the tiger show what do we talk about
4: uh, <laughs> all the big cat people or whatever yeah Um, The only thing I noticed was uh, my son was on his Nintendo Switch last night trying to do something. It took an awful long time, much longer than normal, to download a a video game that he wanted. Um, So that was the only uh, real difference I saw. I think rather than worrying so much about Netflix and YouTube, maybe the people who need to be lobbied are Pornhub. Mm, Because uh, um, I don't know if you heard, but Pornhub have given their premium service. I have no idea, by the way, what a premium service on Pornhub might be. I mean, what more could you possibly get? But anyway, apparently there is some sort of service whereby you can pay them for something. An online champagne room. Yeah. <laughs> just, a, just, Justin a, knows all about it. Yeah, no, apparently no they, they've, definitely paid her. <laughs> but apparently they've made that free throughout Italy and Spain, and I think possibly France as well, um, in order to keep everybody happy. And the impact on that has, has been obviously that that's a lot of video <laughs> which is moving around. But also, apparently, I, I saw the guys from Proton VPN, they tweeted uh, that they saw a lot of strain on their servers as people pretended to be in Italy. Uh, oh, in order wow. to access oh. the free version of Pornhub, so uh, so I'm not sure that Netflix and uh, YouTube are, are necessarily the ones to actually uh, speak to about this. So yeah, Netflix should buy Pornhub. That's what I heard. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> I, I think Pornhub would buy Netflix. <laughs> yeah, save
1: me that. Way. <laughs> actually, I haven't heard of this Pornhub site, but I will. Uh, I'll look into it.
2: Yeah, but you're gonna set up a VPN to Italy. <laughs> you're like,
3: I gotta get the full experience. Yeah,
2: I gotta
1: understand what we're talking about. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah, This one, and this story has kind of evolved since we originally grabbed it, uh, because these companies have started throttling. Uh, Netflix has done it. Uh, Several other video providers have all done it. And I don't think it's really necessary. I think we have the infrastructure to support this kind of traffic. The the local ISPs, they're the ones who get hit kind of the most. But like, Netflix has done a great job of having caching servers all over the world. So uh, I I don't think it's necessary, but it is good to see that they're they're willing to do it. And we had all those big battles about net neutrality, and now that's kind of out the window, and they're just saying, yeah, yeah, we'll throttle down... they have said that they would do it. Uh Netflix is already doing it. They're they're okay. defaulting to like seven twenty P in uh I think all of Europe now. Uh, and they're they're talking about the US, but they haven't done anything here
2: yet. But, yeah, but like you said, Netflix's caching strategy is actually pretty crazy. If you read mm-hmm. it, you go, that is cra-. So all of the like small trailers oh, and all yeah. that information. And autoplay. Uh, uh yeah, I hate that. Um but all of that's cached. And even like the first little bit of movies, if you like linger too long, they start caching that in regions. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So people will now start VPNing to the US from Europe to watch, you know, full ten 1080- I don't
2: I don't know if I would want a VPN to the US to pull four K <laughs> video back. Yeah. That's just me. I mean, unless it's Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> 4K. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Right, uh, it's like we're in their
1: living room. Unrelated uh, to anything, I, I wish I had a second pair of pants right now because I just noticed in my, just past my peripheral, there's a mannequin over there. Yeah. And it scared the crap out of it, me. A it looks like ago. Samara out of the ring.
2: Yeah. Because you're looking at it. For
1: yeah. me, it was like, it's just always right past the peripheral, but now,
2: so. Whew, I don't want to bring up the obvious, but uh, Graham's talked about Pornhub, and he's sitting in the Pleasure Palace. Uh-huh. I'm just going to oh, put those two goodness. things out. Maybe maybe he's going to buy Pornhub. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so, is that a, so out of curiosity, I know we've been talking about the EU, does that pose a, a very much of a security risk to like a corporate entity, like just the proliferance of porn and people accessing porn and various other sites at work? Does that lead to security issues?
4: I I think it's another thing which organizations need to think about when they've got staff who are working from home is they're going to be using those computers not only for work purposes, but also recreational purposes as well. So you probably want to set people up with an ad blocker as well as anti-malware to prevent any uh, malvertising and unpleasantness like that. Um, It's it's just a bit of a nightmare, really, isn't it? Uh, Having all those uncontrolled computers uh, potentially accessing your data and maybe storing it. Hence you need full disk encryption. Hence you need all of these things, which frankly many companies haven't had time to set up properly. Um because this has all come about so rapidly.
1: Yes, it's uh <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having trouble focusing uh because as we as we switch cameras here we can see Don has now brought in the Oh my goodness.
2: Uh, yeah. Creepy little thing. Which has
4: <laughs> uh...
1: But yeah. I'm sure what That's... you said was insightful, Graham.
4: <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, yeah. no. And very good point too, Graham. Well yeah, done. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Yes. Yeah, and I said it better
2: myself. <laughs> Daniel is is looking rough. Yeah. Um, and he's not wearing pants.
1: <laughs> One week of quarantine for Daniel. That's what's happened. Uh, all right. Let's look at our next article over at Newsweek.com. This is my
3: favorite article of the week, by the way.
1: Oh, good. Uh, students are targeting Google, Zoom and Classroom with bad reviews to end homework during coronavirus outbreak. Uh, Google Zoom. Is that that's not uh, Zoom or is there supposed to be a comma there?
3: I think it's supposed to be a comma. Okay. Yeah. Like, actually, there should be two commas if yeah. you're going to with the Oxford comma. the Oxford comma, yeah.
1: which, you know, Graham's in Oxford, so yeah. I think we, we should have go to. with the Oxford comma um, for him. <laughs> uh, but yes, they're targeting Google, Zoom, and Classroom, Google Classroom, um,
2: with bad reviews to end How homework. How did bad review Google as a whole?
3: So this, this started in China. And uh, some of the Chinese students learned that when they, <laughs> so that when they worked from home, they were having to use these various apps. And if they downvoted apps, if they they one starred them enough, then eventually the app stores would remove them. Yeah. And so then they wouldn't have to do remote school. This was a, a way to get out of school. It's kind of kind of creative and inventive. I, I mean, at
2: the very least, you give them an A, right? Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> shows for that forever. shows higher order thinking. Uh, (laughs) problem-solving, novel application of technological boundaries. Yeah, you give them an A and you say, done.
3: So this has jumped across the ocean, though, and here in the U.S., uh, U.S. students are going and one-starring the Zoom app and, and several others, and if you look, they have received thousands tens of thousands of one stars just completely destroyed their their ratings google has been trying to remove some of those fraudulent ones uh, and if you read like the, the stuff the <laughs> students are posting is pretty funny yeah.
1: if you have to use this for any reason but uh corona school you are odd i love the idea of corona school
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: just a bunch of kids getting hammered yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. i got corona extra we've, we've been doing
4: corona school for years <laughs> yeah this is this is really quite ingenious, isn't it? <laughs> I, I I have to admire the mischief-making yeah. students for doing this. But I wonder if we could take it one step further. Right, there's a problem suddenly uh, here in Europe and maybe over your neck of the woods as well, whereby we're trying to discourage people from going to the doctors and going to hospital. I wonder whether we could all, as a community, go on TripAdvisor and give bad reviews to our local doctors and hospitals to discourage people from going to them. Mm-hmm. And so that only the people who really need to go to them will actually go to them. I wonder if we could learn something from these <laughs> Chinese students.
2: Justin has uh, a thought. All right, hold on. You got a trip advisor to plan a trip to your doctor? well <laughs> he's like it's time for a ba- vacation baby i'm going to get tested for tuberculosis you know prostate exam could be argued but uh, yeah I mean, oh my, i'm not in whatever your kink is peter know, i'll
1: find out tonight on italian Pornhub. but uh yeah i would go to yelp before i went to TripAdvisor. i think is yelp big in in the uk
4: uh, I guess so. I don't use Yelp. I mean, uh, the thing is, that when you put when you put places into your search, so there will be people who are trying to yeah. find the hospital. Yeah, and I, I think Google, when it gives you the results, does it give you reviews as well? Does it give you? Maybe it doesn't for hospitals, but maybe it should. Maybe it could introduce this to discourage people, or to simply say, no, you don't want to go to the hospital.
2: So I'm Unless trying to think what I. Have a
4: good need to.
2: I'm, I feel like all that would happen is somebody's like, "So I'm bleeding out of every orifice, <laughs> but no, but, don't but I've direct on trip advisor. It's I got to try four hours now,
3: and the place has one star, but I'm going to take the chance anyway. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think you do. It I have well. hemorrhagic <laughs> fever. Please help me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love that I love the idea that you have that and you're like, well let me check Google first. <laughs> I'll tell you what, out. this
2: sounds like a good like sketch on a sketch comedy show. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we should do it. Yeah, we should do it.
1: Yeah. Uh well, I'm trying to think what I could downvote here so I don't have to work from home. Uh, like teams. the VPN server teams. Well, I've already downvoted that several <laughs> times. No gifts. <laughs> Limited gifts. Very upset. Uh the, the VPN, I, I think. Why? Because I'm trying to get out of work.
3: Well, the VPN we use is in house, so there's no, like, you don't download our app from yeah, the app store. Yeah. So do can't, you can't do download
2: you, that one. Do you go to Don and go, this VPN's garbage?
3: Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll just send down my review.
1: It's trash because it makes me work better.
3: Well, it, you know, like one of the students said, uh, shut this app down. I am becoming stressed and depressed because of school. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. I think that probably happened before the Yeah,
3: episode. I had nowhere to write that when I was in school. but
2: <laughs> Except on a desk or the I, men's bathroom. I felt that way, yeah.
1: All right, let's move over to our last article now at ZDNet.com. A spike in home workers raises MFA resilience questions. Millions of employees who have been logging in from workstations on corporate networks are now logging in from home or elsewhere on public networks. And that just means that we're having more... MFA hits at one time and it's like testing the well, SMS what, or?
3: What they were saying was that uh, if you are using MFA for your accounts, which you should, right? Everybody should be using MFA wherever you can. Uh, that if you are unable to connect the authentication servers, then obviously you can't authenticate and you can't access the service. And so they are uh, highlighting in the article that if you haven't built in good resiliency for your authentication infrastructure, that potentially you could lose access. Now, I. I flagged this article because it sounds really important and really urgent, and it sounds like something companies should be worried about. But in my opinion, this is exactly the same risk you have every single day in a normal organization. If your authentication servers go down, you can't authenticate. That's that's not like amazing discovery of the day. That's that's how things work. <laughs> so was this article talk this
2: This article was talking about like in house stuff, or like I don't foresee like if I go to log into my AWS
3: account and I have a two FA. If they go down, we got a whole other set of problems. Sure. So <laughs> if you're using Google, Google authentication or Microsoft authentication, that's fine, right? But a lot of organizations aren't, especially like hospitals and other places where, where they're not necessarily leveraging those cloud services. So they will have their own authentication servers. And when you're in-house, those servers are right there on the same network as you, right? But when you're remote, the VPN provides access to that or, or however it is that you connect. So if your VPN goes down... Now you can't access the MFA server, but you know the, the side effect here is that if the VPN goes down, you can't access anything anyway, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. Um, it does highlight, though, that infrastructure is a lot more complex today. The applications we run are more complex, even though they're web-based. right? An end user just sees a login, but on the back end, the applications are a lot more complex. There's a lot of little pieces that could fail. And so we've got to be evaluating each of those that, hey, if you're a remote worker, are there new points of failure that we didn't account for before?
2: So what you're telling me is instead of MFA, I could just insert random required service yes. from my infrastructure resilience questions.
3: Yeah. Uh, I mean, this whole article could read, a spike in home workers raises Apache resilience questions. Yeah. Okay. And it would be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So question, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a security guy. Uh, Shut up. uh, No, I know, right? Uh, You know, Graham is, Don, you are. uh, We we say MFA instead of 2FA because multi-factor instead of just 2. Is there anything you use that that is more than 2 right now?
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, My credit card, you log in with a username and a password, you punch in a code, and they show a stupid little picture of a green leaf. And if you don't see the green leaf, then apparently you're hacked. And then, uh... I don't know the whole
2: science on it. but Yeah, so, leaf is important. Well, well, number one, you just went back to two because you told us you to told the to leaf, right? Because <laughs> uh, you have to choose. And, and, to and I just that. realized that I accidentally offended Graham. I think. I, I think I just oops. You my bad. Off? My you bad. Keep <laughs> doing it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but there's the we did a report on the YubiKey that actually tests your fingerprint. Also, mm-hmm. right? So, so I that's mean,
1: saying that yes, you have it in your possession, and yes, it's you by having the fingerprint. Uh, like, so that, is that three factors? Yeah. And
3: then somehow we got off onto it takes blood and yeah. see or something. Yeah, that's
1: a like. little pin that comes up.
3: I do agree, though, Peter. Most of the time it's just two. Yeah. And so when somebody says it's not two of it's MFA, it's usually somebody
4: just being a douchebag. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> you know, they're kind <laughs> of interchangeable. Most people just do two. The important thing is probably that all of these terms aren't really understood by the average guy in the street. And so we have to get our in-laws, our elderly relatives, we have to get our non-nerdy friends using some kind of additional authentication. At the moment, many people are basically using zero authentication, right? Because the one factor they do have, their password, is something which is so easy to predict or they're using it everywhere. So they're effectively using zero FA. So if we can get them, first of all, use a unique password, don't reuse the same one, and then Fantastic. Use use something like Google Authenticator as an additional level of protection. All the better.
2: Well, I I have so much trouble remembering all those passwords.
1: <laughs> oh my! Well, all the things that that just send the SMS. You know, after after you put them in. You know, on my machine, I've got uh, iMessage on there, and so I'm like, well, if you stole my computer, you you've got that anyway because my text yeah? is coming right there, so it doesn't really.
3: Well, that's a that's a choice you make for the convenience of it, right? That's and true. and like if you're using the Authy app for your codes that you could have the Authy app running on your desktop. Mm-hmm. And so again, now it's not something you have in your pocket anymore. Yeah. Now it's something that's on the same computer. So there there's trade-offs that people make when they they go to to remove the pain of authenticating. But, but I think for
2: any of those MFA thing, like it, there's always a if you stole this device from me, then that defeats that, right? Except for the fingerprint ones, like if I had your YubiKey, I technically have your second uh yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so,
1: so, yeah, when you steal a laptop, steal a phone with it, take the keys.
2: <laughs> make sure you throw. Yeah. Make sure you set up with Peter's victim. Julian Assange. Yeah. I got to come up with a
1: name for that. What What did you call it? Uh, uh,
2: he, he called it a dead man switch. Dead but when I think of oh, dead man switch, yeah. I just think of T2 and Dyson when he's like breathing after he got shot a lot and he's holding that weight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when, bam. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm gonna work on that. Uh, I, might, <laughs> I might reach out to you guys um, for some help on that. I know uh, Graham's got some time in his hands now with uh, you know no conferences. but Graham, this is normally the part of the, the uh, podcast where I would say,, yeah, what conferences do you have coming up? but do, do you have any <laughs> virtual shows or anything like that that, that that I know Don had one recently that was switched to a virtual event.
4: Yeah, there, I do have a few people who are saying maybe we can do some things virtually instead and, and do them as webinars. It's never quite the same, though, is it? I I, I always prefer to prance around on a stage and, and do those kind of things. The main thing I'm doing is I, I uh, do a weekly podcast. That's my regular appearance inside people's ear holes uh, on Smashing Security. And uh, we did a great show this week. We actually had uh, the host of a great podcast called Malicious Life. He came to join us because he's currently isolated in his attic um he's been forced to go there because he was on a train where a coronavirus victim unfortunately boarded and so they put a thousand people on this train into isolation and so he's been uh hidden away for two weeks i thought you were gonna say they put a thousand people into his attic no <laughs> that is <laughs> <It's> so hot <laughs> He just sweat he's like oh so yeah hot. so we I mean, need it, it's it's a horrible thing which we're going through, and um, I, I fear things are going to get worse before they get better, so um, I think everyone needs to hang in there and and just try and find some way of relaxing It's very easy with the news at the moment to get rather depressed and anxious about things and so you know and also people are going to find themselves in the unusual situation of being forced to spend lots of time with their family, which uh. for some of us is a blessing <laughs> And then for my wife, for instance, maybe not so much. Um, so, you know, we have to find ways to handle that. One thing I uh, have been recommending to people is on the good old Internet Archive, uh, if you go up there, there is a selection of DOS computer games which you can play inside the browser. So you can play things like SimCity from 1989 and Man and all these sort of things.
1: How did this not make Don's list
4: of... Yeah, exactly, things. the news. I, I, I think, you know, if we can... Just find some time just to take a break. I think that'd be good for all of us because I think a lot of us, our mental health is going to be suffering a little bit over the coming months. So,
1: Well, that, that uh, is, for a lot of people, that is podcasts. So that's uh, that's great to know. If you haven't checked out Smashing Security, um, definitely look that up on your podcast uh, app of choice uh, and check that out. And also um, your blog, you said, is, is just uh, com.
4: GrantCluely.com. Yes, I'll be wibbling up there about uh, anything which takes my fancy, and I'm uh, quite active on Twitter as well at GCluely. Uh, if people want to chat with me there. And Real we, quick
2: question: yeah. uh, Do I have to VPN to Italy to play those games, or? Is- I don't believe so. <laughs> okay, that's just available everywhere. I think so. Okay. it's
3: really neat too because, like, you forget about some of the games that you played a long time ago, and they they have. I, I don't know exactly how they get around the copyright i think it's because you can't download them but uh you just fire it up and there's
4: you know ancient stuff it's really cool hmm, i check that and they're really fun to show your kids as well who will be horrified <laughs> as to what you were prepared to put up with in the old days these you graphics know, they cannot, terrible, but they, they cannot believe what we used to be entertained but, by but but there's a real retro pleasure in it i find some of those games are hard
2: like wicked oh, yeah. hard yeah uh, so you're like, am I ever going to, oh, I'm always losing. Gotcha. All
1: right. Well, we want to let you know about a couple things uh, happening over at IT Pro TV. First of all, uh, we have a webinar coming up that is uh, kind of on point here on Thursday, March 26th. So the same day that uh, this will be coming out, uh, it is Stay Secure While Working Remotely, Protecting Your Devices, Your Data, and Yourself. Uh, Don is running that along with Daniel. So um, we'll be talking about... Uh, probably a lot of things we talked about today, different VPNs and, and uh, various things, but I'm sure there's a lot more to it. Uh, so head over to itpro.tv slash webinars and sign up for that. And uh, if you missed it, because that's at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, March 26th, uh, it will be archived uh, at that same link as well, itpro.tv slash webinars. Uh, And while you're on the internet, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado. You can get a 30% off coupon code uh, to try out ITProTV. Uh, You can also get seven days uh, free uh, when you start up there. And we have a form there so you can uh, get more information about a demo for a team. So uh, if you have a few people, you can uh, try that out and see all the cool features that are available uh, to teams from ITProTV. That's at go.itpro.tv slash TechNADO. All right, well, uh, thank you so much, Graham, for for joining us today. And uh, please, God, I hope you will uh, let your ninety thousand Twitter followers know uh, about
2: <laughs> uh, about this this great. My, my pleasure.
4: Mate, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Look after yourself, guys. Uh, r- real quick, did I offend you at any point? No, you need to try harder. Mm, um, <laughs> Even with the hand gesture, did you not see the hand gesture? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I saw the hand gesture. Okay. Yeah, we invented that at Agincourt, I believe. It was the British oh. archers. Yeah, um, because when when we caught their archers, we used to chop two of their fingers off. And so the British would do that to sort of go, oh, in, 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 Like in, in, I have fingers. Back at them. Mm, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, man, that's <laughs> way
2: worse than most of the, look, I still have fingers. Yeah, that is terrible. <laughs> when you said we
1: caught their archers, I thought you meant like you caught the arrows. I'm like,
2: man, you guys were good. <laughs> Got them. Man, yeah, it's like the last sense. dragon. Yeah. And
1: uh, <laughs> well, thank you to Manny the mannequin for joining us as well. Um, quiet, not a lot to offer, but uh, well, thanks for there. Thank you guys and uh, and stay safe everybody and we will see you next week right here on TechNATO with Don Pazette.